This ESPN podcast is brought to you by GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit GEICO.com. Welcome to the Grantland Oscar Preview. This is a little game we like to call, Are We Sure They're Good? That's how I raised my voice. That was great. That's perfect you. inflection. Just people who, yeah, they're good. We cross them off, but nobody really totally thinks about it. I just want to make sure they're good. First one, Benedict Cumberbatch. Who knows? Are we he's, sure he's good? Yeah, he's good. Just off of the Sherlock stuff alone, I think yeah, he's good. That, that, and August Osage County, which was almost unwatchable. But he was Chris Connolly! Didn't you think? There are like nine other people in that movie who didn't embarrass themselves. <laughs> are you kidding? Are, are you kidding that true. movie? There's maybe are one. Are you kidding? But he was maybe the most embarrassing of all the embarrassments. Wow, okay then. He had nothing to do. Wow. He was just... I got served. <laughs> I don't know if you got served. I'm just saying. I, I, we don't know. I don't think he's bad. I just, I'm not sure that he's good. I think he's good. I didn't think he was that good in that movie. But you like the movie. But you like I like the movie, but I'm not positive I liked him in it. Imitation game. Wow, that's that? You need to give me more time to build this machine. Yeah, it's just, he was so character-y. Yeah, I don't, I don't get what... I don't, he if didn't seem an, like a human being. I would love to hear an actor tell me what about Benedict Cumberbatch in that movie is so appealing to them. More appealing than like the nine other people who didn't get nominated. Or the actors who are like, man, that guy killed it. I'm jealous of that performance. I don't think any other of think, his competition was jealous of that. I think this is just part of a wave. Whatever we feel about <laughs> Benedict Cumberbatch, I think we're supposed to feel about... I, I wish people felt about Michael Fassbender. We're just like coasting on some sort of like love of Benedict Cumberbatch that I don't really entirely feel is... It's all kind of Sherlock-based. Is he Fassbender's market correction? These guys are two completely different individuals. I know, but what I'm saying is... Fassbender's like a throbbing something. You know, Fassbender's okay, like... I'll say. Fassbender, I'll you know, say. You know. <laughs> However, <laughs> moving, on, moving on. Jessica Chastain, we're, we're sure she's good. We're sure. Yeah, we're moving we're on. And we'll continue sure. to get opportunities to I think she's that. fantastic. Yes. Clint Eastwood as a director... Mm, are really? we sure You're he's trolling. still good? You're trolling. I can, sure I, can go, I can go on this for some time. Oh, but, here's, okay. here, but, here, but here's the short answer. He doesn't care about a lot of the stuff that the rest of the people care about. He doesn't have time. If he sits and thinks about what Sienna Miller's backstory should be or what should actually inspire that character to join the armed services in the wake of 9-11, he's not going to make another movie. He's just decided, I'm not going to care about this other stuff. Right. I'm going to get to the stuff I care about. So he pairs it down. He throws pages out. He shoots the rehearsal. He's a man in a hurry because he will still be able to make the movie he wants without fretting about this stuff. It cuts against the grain sometimes of what we love about movies, but it works for him. I don't think he's made an interesting, directed movie I don't remember the last time, Million Dollar Baby, and I didn't even like that movie. Yeah, I think that there are things about all of his movies in the last 15 years that really fascinate me, and I think that he is a good director. I think that... You think he's still a good director? I think he's still a good director. I think the style has now become interesting. Yeah. Now I think because he doesn't care about this stuff, because shots aren't in focus. Right. Because no, Jersey performances Boys are best. He, he just which... doesn't care. And now, and now I'm fascinated, because Woody is sort of the same way, too. It's like, I don't care what her backstory is to get her in. That's all I want. I just want her there. Right. I want her in the bar, and I want them to leave and I want them to be a couple. There's I'm a not going to care about There's a like, weird, fussy crotchetiness to the, to the form in, in, these, in, in Eastwood's movies especially. Because now the topics of the movies are like how he makes the movies. It's like, I don't want all this talk. I don't want all this introspection, okay? You guys, you love the introspection in the movies. Why did I do this? Why did I do that? I'm not interested in characters who are like that, and I don't want to make movies like that. I'm going to shoot the first rehearsal, I'm going to shoot the first take, and we're going to move on, and we're not going to talk about it. 
It's like Seinfeld's bit about oh, when people get old, when they're backing out of the driveway, they're like, I'm backing out of the driveway. Right. <laughs> I don't care if anyone's coming. I'm just coming out. He's just coming out. He's just yeah. coming out. Like, there's That's some shots in right. Jersey Boys where I'm just like, oh, my God, get out of the way. Somebody's backing out of the driveway. Yeah, but he's just in a, You know, it's like if he thinks about it too much, that's a movie he won't be able to make. No, I'm with you. I just feel at some point, though, you know, with a movie like American Sniper, there is a kind of responsibility that you have to have in telling certain stories. Jersey Boys, whatever, fine. You this just have to decide story. if that's only because, you know, you, you know, depending on the side of the aisle you sit on. That's the thing. Well, Could, the movie's kind of, like, apolitical in that way. Well, well, we can go on, but well, you can we Can we all agree Sniper made the most amount of money it would have made with Clint Eastwood directing it the way he directed it? There isn't another person in the DGA who would have ended that movie the way Clint Eastwood did. And part of the reason that movie did so well is that he ended the movie the way he did. I wish nine other directors had directed it. I think that could have been such a more interesting movie. Yeah, but I mean, I if you're Warner Brothers, you're like, well, thank God, because... Yeah. Well, you know, my, you know, I told you my theory on this. I think yes, people yes. get ready for certain types of movies, and they don't realize they're ready for it until they come out. And people are ready for an old-school war movie that didn't get into the nitty-gritty stuff of what was going on in the Iraqi war, and just like, hey, I just want to see the flag, and I want to see some people get shot. I just imagine him watching other Iraqi war movies and thinking, I'll show you how to make one of these movies. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm going to make an old-school one that they would have made in 1958. Again, look out, I'm backing out! Yeah! Who else you got? Uh, Steve Carell. Are we sure he's a good dramatic actor? No, we don't have. I thought Dan in real life was this close to oh, being really good. That. I thought that Dan in real life was one speech away from getting it right. You know, I yeah. liked him more in the way way back. I think he has a center. I think he has an interesting center, and I'm and I'm I'm interested to see how he deploys that. Your point about Foxcatcher being found in the edit and having gone could have gone a couple of ways. That's right, and he's well grafted for that. You know, yeah, I think Forty Year Old Virgin is. I mean, that is essentially, it is obviously a comedy, but he's not playing the comedy. He's really good in that. Right, right. And he is really good in that movie because he's going in a different direction. And, like, and, yeah, like Jack Black and Bernie or something and like he, that. Yeah, he trusts that, that, that Apatow is going to do the stuff that Apatow needs to do to get the movie to where Judd Apatow wants it to be, but he's also given Steve Carell the permission to be on this island unto himself. And that's really fascinating. The question is, will they build comedies around guys like that? If you look at comedies now, you know, they don't usually use guys like that to score off of, do Peter they? Sellers turned into that toward the end. I mean, I feel like he's a, I mean, he's a, it's a limited example, but there is a precedent for, for comedic actors in the way that Steve Carell, I think, is funny to get a good director who can give you the space to do stuff. A like comic that. actor, I mean, I'm kind of biased because I like him and I'm friendly with him, but I think Bill Hader could have a, a chance to be an oh, yeah. actor. Yeah, I mean, Skeleton Twins, did you guys see that? Yeah, yeah I like that a lot. I mean, he's I so good really in that good movie. Yeah, I did like that a lot. And he doesn't, he plays the comedy. He's not afraid of being funny, but he has a number of different he's ways of being funny. He's an Oscar prospect for me yeah. now. Here's the, but here's the yeah. thing, like, Hader can get his own shot. You know, Carell kind of has to have the ball past him. You kind of have to run a play for Carell. Yeah, oh, that's a good point. So Hader's that's... like James Harden and Carell's more like right. like Jim, like Jim, Like Jim Carrey can fire up 30 yeah. shots in the course of a game. Some yes. guys you got to run uh, plays That's a really good point. Wes is not going to like this one. Morton Tildum, are we sure he's good? <laughs> no, we're not. Let's make the case for Morton Tildum because maybe he needs the case to be made for him, okay? I think he does. He is the director he's... of the imitation game, right? The imitation game keeps three different sequences going throughout the picture. It braids these sequences. One is, you know, from the 50s when Alan Turing is arrested. 
One is from childhood, where we find out kind of the basis of Alan Turing's interests and his sexuality. And one is the heart of the movie, okay? You, you would, if you like the movie, you have to give him credit for managing those three different time sequences in a way that builds to your understanding of what Turing was risking and what he accomplished by what he did and what he was. I found all of that conventional and totally confused. I'm not even saying it's a badly directed movie. I would say it's miswritten and as by virtue of its being miswritten, I also think it's then sort of assembled in this very sort of standard movie biography sort of way. It's interesting in that I think it has something to do with the time that it's being done in, that that stuff about his being arrested has to be in the movie. You know, because I think in a, for an audience now, it's hard to understand why people would ever, you know, not allow a gay person to do the same things that a straight person would. Yeah. And so that, that, part, that part wouldn't have been in the movie if you'd made it 25 years ago. People would say, well, I understand it. They wouldn't have let him do that. You know? I also think there's another half hour of that movie that, that ought to be there, too. I feel like any time you're telling me the most interesting thing about the person the movie's about in the title card at the end... I give up. But here's the, yeah, well, but, you know, this is the thing. You don't kill the guy. You never kill a guy in a, in a biopic, right? The idea is to not kill a guy in a biopic. Hmm. You always, you kill him in the card afterwards. That's, that's the way biopics are just done. That's a recent development, though. Lots of people die in, in movie biographies. But so. it's interesting that these days one usually doesn't Increasingly see, you don't see usually it anymore. Usually one doesn't see it. Remember, yeah. the big problem with this, these are British people. It's like they find a way to solve the war. You think they're going to jump up and down? It's like cup of tea. You know, <laughs> they're British people in the war. Are you right. kidding? Yeah. Ah, that'll have another tea. Yes. Last one, Felicity Jones. We don't know. She's fine in this movie. She was good in Like Crazy, too. Yeah, she was also good in Like Crazy. I just, this is a talk about like, like supporting parts blown up into, into leads. I just feel like there's not enough for her to do in this movie. Yeah, you said that in your review, didn't I? I just, that, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I really like her, and I, I also think she's somebody who will be nominated in the future if she gets the right parts. I mean, she's fighting with Keira Knightley and no, no, she's and younger. Mulligan. It's, yeah, she's, she's younger. She's younger. I mean, she's more like, you know, could she be like the next Winslet or something like that? That's the thing you're sort of thinking about. But you, you just, wonder. You, you don't you really, know. I will admit you don't know yet. Yeah. Bill Simmons is the Academy Awards preview host. I would watch that. I think you'd be great. I'm not sure he's good. <laughs> We're going to talk about favorite performances that were nominated. But first, favorite performances that weren't nominated. Wesley, the very famous Wesley Morris, take the floor. Scarlett Johansson. I mean, I've got a long list of people. Lucy? She is, uh, not for Lucy, for oh. Under the Skin. Oh. For Under the Skin. Lucy, oh. she's really good in for like 40 minutes. And Great then airplane she, movie. The, the closer she gets to becoming the monolith, the like less interesting the performance becomes. <laughs> right. But Under the Skin, she's just really, she's got a very sort of limited range of things she can do in this movie. And she makes the most of each choice. She's basically playing a space alien inhabiting the body of some Scottish lady. She progresses from from robotic, like impersonating a human, and she becomes increasingly more emotionally human as the movie goes on. And she uses her body in these really interesting ways, both as a sexual lure. Tell me more. Well, no, I mean, the point is that, like, Scarlett Johansson, like, the idea is that this woman is seducing these men for reasons that the aliens don't ever explain to us. But she then finds herself becoming an actual woman and is astonished to find out how the world treats actual women and that it's just a really interesting physical and and kind of closed off performance where she seems blank but she gives you a lot and this is already like the third or fourth stage of this interesting career that scarlett johansson yeah i mean she's got a just a very quick question should we be concerned that she keeps playing 
humans that are becoming robots and robots that are becoming humans and voices on computers? Yeah, no, like, I mean, is she trying well, to tell I mean, us something? No, she, I mean, <laughs> what is she, she trying to tell us? She's a hardworking person. I mean, she she had a baby, like it seems like five minutes ago, has already been doing reshoots for Avengers 2. I mean, she's yeah. a trooper. You know, yeah, she no, makes I mean, it happen. I, I always think the roles actors choose when you look at them collectively yes. probably says something. Like Will Smith went through that really weird futuristic yes he did did. like what was he he trying to tell us with that this is absolutely right it's like these guys can choose whatever they want yeah they have every choice the selections they make in terms of the movies they make should tell you a ton about them cruise is like my marriage is getting weird you know what'll make it better I'm going to make a two-year Stanley Kubrick movie <laughs> about a weird marriage wasn't, wasn't with to, my wife. Wasn't supposed to be two years. Right. Wasn't supposed to be two years? No, right. just what's your going. favorite performance that wasn't nominated? Tyler Perry in Gone Girl. If there was a, you know, what's a supporting actor supposed to do? Yes, more and more supporting is, actors are like co-leads. Yes. You know, J.K. Simmons, who's fantastic, he's on screen the whole movie. God yeah. bless him. That's yeah. great. But my favorite supporting actor performances sometimes are the ones that just come in and flip on a switch in the room. It's like you've been with the principals, yes. you've gotten to know them, you get what's going on, and all of a sudden like two-thirds in the movie, bang, there's a little jolt of energy. Tyler Perry, every time he's on screen, you just love him in that. Yeah, no, he's so effortless. He's so great as that and lawyer. He's, and he's acting in the movie that you think you're watching that I don't think David Fincher knows he's making. Do you know what I mean? He he's sort of got this running commentary on the action. It's one movie. big SMH. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yes, it's just like yes, this is too like- <laughs> this is too much for you guys are doing. I just loved every time he was on the screen. It was no, just like just like I get you. I thought that was a I thought that was a classic supporting performance, yeah. and I really liked it. Grant Lynn's Chris Ryan and I have a running joke about this called Heat Check Guys. Yeah, where in basketball, like Jamal Crawford comes off the bench and he takes ten shots in four minutes. He's just hot. He's making shots. He's like, hey, Jamal Crawford's here. And some of the famous heat check guys in movies where you look at, like, for example, True Romance. Walken comes in. Yeah. Just heat check. He's firing threes. He's making 25-footers. But I think it's really hard to come off a bench and kind of own a movie for a scene. Nicholson in A Few Good Men was like that. But John Lovitz in League of Their Own. John Lovitz yeah, starts yeah. League of Their Own. Bang, 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 yeah. bang, bang. I'm yeah. out of here. Then we decided Kiefer Sutherland in A Few Good Men was like, when uh, uh, Marcin Gortak comes off the bench and has <laughs> 10 points, 9 rebounds, and 5 fouls in 9 that's, minutes. That's, then hit him basketball here. Yeah. All right. Uh, my favorite performance that wasn't nominated. This is a controversial one. Jennifer Aniston um, in Cake. Oh. For two reasons. Oh, my God. My brain just exploded. Hold on. That's right. certainly exactly what I thought you would say. I thought you were going to go for Horrible Bosses, too. No. That's a garing First important point. I did not see Cake. <laughs> Of course you didn't. <laughs> second, second most important point. I'm in on Aniston. I'm just saying I'm always I'm, rooting for it. But here's, here's why I'm disappointed it wasn't nominated. Jolie and Aniston are the Red Sox and the Yankees for this decade. Like, the Yankees stink now. Yeah. Like, they, the Steinbrenners ruined the Yankees, and the Red Sox won three World Series. Like, Red Sox and Yankees, they, there's not that hatred anymore. The game's on on Sunday nights. It's right. on for four and a half hours. Nobody's just sitting there going, I hate the Yankees. I hate the Red Sox. It's gone. Yes. Aniston and Jolie is now the world's defining rivalry. So, And I wanted them to be in the same room. I wanted her nominated. I wanted them to cut to Joe Lee as her little frozen smile as she pretended <laughs> she didn't know the camera's on her. I wanted all of it, and they robbed me of it. Yeah, I mean, they robbed you twice because Jolie's got nothing and Anison's got nothing. Anison actually Well, Anison wouldn't have gone if Jolie got nominated. There was, well, there's only been one that, you know, not even the Golden Globes managed to nominate both of them, which is a shock in terms of the way the Golden Globes usually does right. business. The Critics' Choice Awards, I think, did get them both under the roof for something, but that will be the only time. It's the Ali Frazier of, this of our time. Are you really kidding about this? Like, Jennifer Aniston was nominated for an Oscar and Jolie was also? Aniston wouldn't go? 
I don't think she goes. Wow. Oh, I don't no, think she goes. Cool. I don't know. That's I mean, not, if she was nominated for cake. No. Listen, I have no evidence whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you guys argue with me? I'm just guessing. <laughs> I don't think she'd go. Unfortunately, it wasn't. Yeah, I'm a huge she fan of her. Bronchitis. I think I'm a I huge can't fan of bronchitis. Like, I, I think she's really good. In I love movie, Aniston. And she, that she wasn't nominated made me actually, it made me sad in a in a way that you can if you can be sad for a person who has it all. But you know, here's you know. the thing. This is the flip side of the screener thing. It's like that movie got nominated yes. before any human being had, had seen it, yep. it. You know, and at some point, it's not a knock on her at all. At some point, the audience should have a say. This is my number one thing about the way the Oscars work now. We can talk about it later, but I have very strong feelings about exactly what you just said. I thought Aniston got robbed for Picture Perfect though, but that's the story for another time. Oh my god. Right. What's next? Uh, Wesley, your favorite that was actually nominated. Marion Cotillard. She has a great year every year she's in a movie. Uh, I think she is one of the most sort of emotionally resonant actresses I've ever seen. I, I watch her and her eyes will just well up for no apparent reason. And so my eyes well up too. Marcel! <laughs> Marcel! So she's like a Chris Bosh? Would you like a Chris Bosh type? Just good every year? You don't totally she's notice good. her? Well, maybe, because she's been good in other movies since she won the Oscar. And you were, ner- there was, you were nervous that her winning out of the gate like that Bad. was going to just Bad ruin precedent. everything for her. And, you know, she, and for a while, she was the dream girl in all these movies. You know, in that Michael Mann movie, she was the, she was the dream girl, the Dillinger movie. Not for me. Um, I don't trust the French. Well, this is this is a different conversation we could have, but I mean, you were nervous that she was going to turn into what Penelope Cruz was began as in, right. in Hollywood. She has two pitches she can throw. She can be the most beautiful woman in any movie. Yes, you know she can be the most beautiful woman on any carpet. You know she'll wear this amazing dress. You know, but in that you know in the movie where she's like the Sea World trainer, you know she can also do something different with her acting. Yeah. And then that kind of inner glow she has make you makes you like her a little more, makes you go with her a little more. It's a tool, not the thing that she is. Right. And that makes her very Are, compelling. Were you going to say that her other thing is being really good? She's a really good villain. I mean that that Dark Knight that you know that the last Batman movie. Spoiler for five years. Ago. An appalling like character, but she was really good at it. She wields the glamour. That's yes. the thing. She is. Yes. She isn't just the glamour. She wields the glamour, yeah. and that yeah. makes her yeah. special. I like the idea of actors and actresses having pitches. Yeah, they they do. I mean, they do. Got, so she has a fastball slider and a curve. Yes. Yeah, she does. Yeah, I would say no, maybe two. She's got a fastball and a curve. Vin Diesel maybe just a fastball. I don't know. Vin Diesel. No, Vin Diesel's got a screwball now, thanks to Groot. Yeah. Thanks to Guardians of the Galaxy. He learned a screwball he's, from he's, Tom Hanks. He's got a screwball. Who is your, uh, your favorite that was nominated? Glenn Campbell, nominated for Best Original Song for I'm Not Gonna Miss You. Clint Campbell, who, you know, uh, you know, as we know, suffers from Alzheimer's, who is the subject of a documentary. You know, if you grew up like I did, Glenn Campbell was, you know, a huge star. And, and he's one of those guys where you thought, boy, I should see him in concert. No, it'll be cheesy. It'll be too Vegasy. I won't go to see him because it'll be all yeah. schmaltzy and stuff. And then you get to a certain age and you realize, well, you're not going to get the chance to see him. Maybe you should have all that time. And so that he gets nominated for this like really final song of his career is a powerful thing. Anything that? No, Glenn. Glenn you, you Wesley was moistening up there. I, you got just, emotional. Sorry. Do we need to take a break? No, um, I mean you know it's. <laughs> So okay. my first experience with Glenn Campbell was just him being on People Magazine all the time with, with Tanya Tucker. Tucker. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean yeah. back when People Magazine. Was you know, a, was when a I worked for when I, when I did random notes, I remember writing about Tanya and Glenn. I, I I'm sitting here in silence because there's this whole other universe I'm not even going to go into. Bringing let's, this up. Yeah, let's not. Let's just move uh, on. My favorite that was nominated, Rosamund Pike. That's because one of my favorites. Here's my theory on Gone Girl. 
I think Fincher was ready to mail it in. And mm. he's just like, I'm just thinking to do a studio movie, whatever. They cut me a big chat. I'm not, I'm not going to really try in this one. And I think he got enthralled by Pike. And she's so good in it. And, it, and it was, she was such an ice queen. It was like the Gwyneth Paltrow performance I always wanted but never really got. And I think about halfway through, Fincher's like, you know what? And he, like, rolled up his sleeves. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm going to try. Yep. And that scene when, when she, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, is one of the best scenes of the year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. And after that, I felt like Fincher's in on this movie now. Give, and I didn't feel like he was uh, in the first give, hour. Give Fincher a little more credit for being no. in on this movie. Fincher, Fincher, the, the, the book is bought by Reese Witherspoon to star in. Yes. I guess Fincher comes in a little later. And the first thing, one of the first things Fincher does is take Reese Witherspoon out for dinner and saying, by the way, you're not going to be in this movie. That takes yeah, that takes very Belichickian. That takes yes. some onions, you know. Yes. That here's and here's why I'm not going to put you in the movie because you're. I think he said because you're too well known, and I need someone who's more. That's mysterious. a great concept, though, is when actors bring too much baggage from their own persona to a role. And I think one of the reasons I like Rosamund Pike was because I didn't really have any baggage with her. It was total, just this new person total, that total, I didn't know. Total blank slate. And yeah. that's why I think, and so that's a key decision to make right away. And he made, and he made I think, the right yeah. one for the movie. I, I don't know if I agree with the decision, but I think Rosamund Pike is great in this movie. And I think that, I, I love your idea that, like, w- despite what we know is actually true, the movie doesn't really wake up until her performance changes. It's a traditional and boring movie, but then I've heard the theory that Fincher actually wants it that way. Yeah, he wants to be boring, and he wants you know, to be an old man. You know, in the, in the old days, I remember they used, to, they used to give out an award online for best performance by an inanimate object in a movie, and if I had a, if I had a vote, I would vote for the calendar in Gone Girl. <laughs> I thought the calendar was amazing. That should be in the Oscars over Cal- like, the Key calendar was an incredible, other, incredible yeah. performance by the calendar. Do we There's think, some good props. The pen was a good prop. Uh-huh. One other thing on Rosamund Pike, I just think it's really hard some sometimes to play the Ice Queen psycho, like just whatever. Like we've seen it happen so unfold so badly in so many different hands, which is why I actually think Sharon Stone Basic Instinct is now a really, really underrated performance. She's so good in it. Mm-hmm. But think how and much... Pike it, is like that but, for but me I, in this. I thought you made the key point, though. It's like, for all the, the ways that we're steeped in everything about actors and actresses in popular culture, when we see a performance by someone we really don't know anything about, it, it does kick us up a notch. Yeah. It does, like, no. who, Zellweger who and Jerry Maguire is like that, because yeah. now you watch it now, and it's like, that's Renee Zellweger. But back then, it's like, who is who this person? person? I, yeah. I, I, and, I you, like and you can't refine that moment. No. Like, that moment only happens the first time you see you the movie. You sort of felt like that should have been Jack O'Connell in it and Unbroken. There's a number of people where you're just surprised. Like, this movie would be a totally different movie-going experience, and I think Gone Girl doesn't work in the way that it works if she's bad. Well, and the other thing, you mentioned Unbroken. That was my biggest problem with that movie. I didn't care about that guy. Right. I didn't think he was good enough. Right. If you had taken Leo DiCaprio circa 93 and put him in that movie, and now it's like, wow, this is in the hands of a real dude, and I care what happens to him. I feel differently about I thought that movie. The, I, thought, I thought the problem, you know, was, was that Jack O'Connell looks like me. Everybody in that movie, <laughs> everybody in that movie talks about, I mean, he has the pasty white skin. Everybody in the movie talks about that he's an Italian, that he's constantly right, discriminated he because right, he's Italian. Right. He doesn't look like a Mediterranean, you right. know? He doesn't look like a kind of guy who would have gotten discriminated against just on sight. Right. No, just I because mean, he looks like something. That person, who would you cast in that role? Well, I blame nobody. Shia LaBeouf, because he clearly should have been that unbroken guy. Yeah. Uh, oh, that would, see, that's... That actually is perfect. I mean, we, I think we're supposed to laugh. I'm not sure, but that actually is a really I, smart I, I choice. Said it, I said it unironically. No, I agree with you. He she, was going to do it, and then he found out that he didn't get to have sex with the Japanese people, and that was it. He was out. 
The number of the number of actors from other <laughs> pick sex movies. I almost them. believe that. Well, sorry. The number sorry. of actors from other countries <laughs> who are playing Americans this year is just unbelievable. It's shocking. I mean, if you look at Selma and George Wallace and LBJ and Martin Luther King are all played by British actors. It's kind Coretta? of kind of incorrect. I mean, it's, like, kind, it's kind of I don't know what it means. Are you worried? Do you find you're taking no, over? No, it's a crisis. We have weird. outsourced. We've outsourced it's everything. Weird. Why do we outsource everything? We don't make our own performances anymore. And, and they come up with all our TV shows now. Yeah, no, I mean, and it's, pro- it's funny. What, what do we have? Well, you know what we're going to give them. We're going to give them the werewolves of London. We're oh, going to yeah, give yeah, them the NFL team. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, the, my only thing about the accent thing is, yeah, I was glad that Amy Poehler sort of turned it into a joke with the like Golden that. Globes. I hope it resonates with people that, yes, we actually do know, like, we can always smell a bad American accent. But they've done pretty well. I have to say they're all pretty good. They're well, all pretty good. They're not, yeah, they're I, not. I can't, I can't really ding them. It's been 240 years. I think we need to watch out for the British. Uh, <laughs> one of the most fun things to do with the Oscars, gamble. Can gamble on these things. Bring it. I love gambling. Don't uh, do it. I asked my buddy cousin Sal to do some props for us. He sent some fake ones first. I'm just going to read these quick. 15 to 1 odds, Boyhood's Richard Linklater announces he will wait 12 years to give his <laughs> best director speech. This goes to yours thing. Um, even odds that Kanye West interrupts Clint Eastwood's acceptance speech and announces to the world that Selma was, in fact, the best picture. I can actually see that. I would put, like, 10 bucks on that. I'm not sure Eastwood would get to give that speech, but I wouldn't doubt that somebody would want to yeah, do that. Yeah, the jury's still out. And then even odds the boy in Boyhood is mistaken for Clint Eastwood on the red carpet. <laughs> I think that's a dig at <laughs> the boy. Maybe the actor, the actress playing the boy. All right, we're doing some real ones here. Best actor, we've been circling this the whole time. Keaton is one to two, and then after that, you get better and better odds. Would you bet $200 to win 100 on Michael Keaton for best actor? No. Or would you do Bradley Cooper? I'd put all my money on Bradley, Bradley Cooper. 33 to one right now, yeah. Bradley Cooper. I, put all I think money. Eddie Redmayne is a guy to bet on. Really? I, was gonna, I think Keaton's going to win. But I think if you wanted a longer shot, I think Eddie Redmayne has the best chance of winning, of someone who isn't Keaton. I don't think it's going to be Cooper's year. I, I agree with you about Eddie Redmayne. But I also feel like if you're watching these movies, I don't know, I found of the five people nominated, the person who surprised me the most with how good they were in the movie was Bradley Cooper. But we know the way people feel about this movie. You know the yes, way that they've kind of polarizing, polarized these people. It's polarizing. And I just think a huge segment yes. of the Academy is, for their own reasons, is not going to want to reward this movie one way or another. Right. I think he should be good. He should feel good being in there because I think that's the David Oyelowo absolutely, slot that yes, he's got there. 100%. Not that he's not a good performance, but I think no, that's, I a, that's a slotty guy. I agree. I was most surprised by Cooper. I never felt like it was Bradley Cooper. I actually felt yeah. like it was the character, you which I didn't know if he could do that. Best actress props, Julianne Moore is basically one to 20, which means you have to bet $200 to win 10. That's how that works. Yeah. Not, a great, not great odds. It's not inaccurate, though. Reese Witherspoon say. is nine to one would be the next best one. So Julianne Moore, don't even bet on this. The thing is, Reese has won before, and that's... What yeah, it's she's all not, about. She's got no, yeah, she's got no chance. That's what I, it's all about. I think if there's a dark horse, it's Rosamund Pike. So she's I don't 20 see her, one right now. I don't see her winning, but I think if Julianne Moore loses to anybody, it's gonna be it's gonna be Rosamund Pike. There's never big surprises at the Oscars in the actor categories. Sometimes there are. There's sometimes there's a Kathy sometimes Bates. Sometimes there are. Sometimes, sometimes crazy stuff happens. Sometimes Kathy, Who did Kathy Bates, Bates beat? Joanne Woodward, oh, Mr. 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 Meryl Streep, yeah. Joanne Woodward, Julia Roberts, and oh man, who's the fifth person? I can't remember. Mm-hmm. I remember but, the scream when Marissa Tomei beat Vanessa yeah, Redgrave. I'll never forget that. Yeah, because they just, read the wrong name. 
I, no! went, I went back and looked at that. I went back and looked at the tape. I looked at the tape like you'd look at one of those surveillance tapes from TMZ to see if there was any chance that Jack Palance had gone off script. No, he's in there the whole time. Like way. when David Stern's reaching for the Knicks envelope? And and it's frozen? Like... No, I know. No, I remember the scream. And as we realize now, Marissa Tomei is actually a pretty good actor, so yeah. it wasn't a bad yeah. choice after She all. won that. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. she won the, the entire history of that. Of that controversy. Right. Best picture boyhood is heavy favorite right now. You'd have to bet 150 bucks to win 10. Um, I wouldn't make that bet. I Selma's think... 20 to 1, Birdman 16 to 1, American Sniper's 25 to 1. I feel like boyhood feels inevitable because it's been the critic's choice. And because, really? Yeah. really? Well, I'm just saying that because it's the critic's choice, it seemed like the choice for a long time. But as you know, once the Golden Globes are over, the guilds step in. Right. And so we've, you know, we've not really heard from the guilds in a major way on what they think. There's still a little argument still to be made that something could steal it. And it would be Selma, probably. I think Selma. If Boyhood loses, it would only be to Selma. And I think Selma's odds are getting increasingly better. There's However, no chance all the old geezers are just going to jump on the American Sniper. No, this is the it, I don't think American Sniper's success changes how the vote will go. Right. I think it changes how people watching the Oscars will perceive how the vote went. Because mm-hmm. I think a lot of people out there will say, I don't understand, this is a hit movie. This was, a, this was a movie, none of these other movies were, this movie made more in its first weekend than any of these other movies have made in their individual runs. Right. Why aren't they giving it some attention? So I think the audience watching the Oscars may think, this movie needs more support, why isn't it getting it? I don't think it makes it a contender inside the Academy. One of my favorite things about the Oscars is the In Memoriam montage, because... Mm. For a couple reasons, like you I, really do love. I really, I like. Montage. Sometimes you don't know, like, oh my god, that person died. I'm always like just riveted yeah. for those five minutes, and you get emotional, and you see certain people, and you're like, ah, oh, I forgot that that, you know. And one of the fascinating things about it is who they decide to put at the end, and it's always without really saying it, you're kind of saying it. Like this was the most important person that passed away this year in the movie industry. Mm. So. If you had to pick who was going to be the end person, here are the odds. Robin Williams, heavy favorite. Lauren Bacall, Harold Ramis, Mickey Rooney, mm. and Southrow the Ultimate Warrior for comedy's sake. Um, who would you pick? I mean, Robin Williams, I think. I mean, I, it's between Mickey Rooney and Robin Williams, I would say. You know, I think the interesting thing about that is that when you're actually in the house, they tell you not to clap. I mean, yeah. They just tell you don't. But people can't they tell help you don't it. clap. But when you're there, when you're watching it, and you see somebody, and it's just like you said, when you don't realize that they died, or it's someone you had a particular fondness for, you just can't help it. Right. Not the most famous person, but just like somebody, a director. No, you right. Know, I mean, right. You, yeah. you find yourself doing this, and you just go, I can't believe I just did that. I don't like the applause. It always bothers me. The, I don't like it because it seems to go go up and it's down upon the person. It's tasteless. Let's it's, say you had like a or it feels distasteful. Relatively anonymous director who's in there, and they're like this, and you're related well, that's to them. The, that's and then the, the next one, it's like, would you would it surprise you if it was Robin Williams starting it and then Lauren Bacall finishing it? No, but I mean Lauren Bacall. Pretty famous. She's, of course, she's very Dated famous. Bogey. I mean, she's Mary Bogey. She's a Hollywood Mary legend. Bogey. Are you kidding? She's a Hollywood Mary legend. I, mean, I, I have think... a favorite memory of Lauren Bacall at the Oscars. Okay, so the award is over. She's attended the, and we're waiting for for valet. She lost. Waiting for valet to show up. No, this is the time she was there, and she was waiting for forty minutes for her car, and she was steamed. You could just tell. And so I decide I'm going to go up to her, and I, and I go up to her because I know she's from New York, and I go, you know, if we were in Manhattan, we could just get a cab. And she doesn't even look at me. She goes, "It's a nightmare." <laughs> I love that about it. Last question. What was the most you've 
gone to a lot of Oscars. How many have you gone to? I've covered them since like the late 80s, but I've only been inside the house for like eight or nine. Oh, okay. So what was the most emotional in memoriam do you remember, was there one that stood out, or are they all kind of... I always thought that when Brando was there, it was huge. Mm. I always thought just to put Brando in the In Memoriam montage was ridiculous because half the people who were in the Academy were there because of Brando. But Brando is the one I remember. And because Brando hated it and he didn't get, right. you know, all that, but I always thought he was the guy. What's your favorite Oscar memory ever? I feel like Cuba Gooding Jr. winning Best Supporting Actor. That just... I mean, there are things that make you cry, and there are things that make you cry because it's like a historical moment or whatever. But his his speech was just, it is the best speech for anything I've ever seen in my entire life. Wow. It, it just, it was, it was honest. It was genuine. He was shocked to be winning. I don't know. It was just, it really just makes me so happy to think about I think about that like at least once a month. His oh, winning. Yeah. Uh, my wife and I were sitting behind Cameron Crowe when he won best screenplay. My wife was next to his mother. That was it's, an important year for both it's, of us, one of the, It's one of the, uh, you know, I don't know, it was one of the happiest feelings you could ever have for somebody else. Mine's going to be when Tom Cruise finally wins. <laughs> so it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> it hasn't happened yet. Sports doppelgangers for, for current movie people who are mostly involved in the Oscars. Let's, let's, do, let's do it. All right, let's start it with uh, Vince Carter and Michael Keaton. <laughs> Right, here's where you go here. Vince Carter had the whole Manimo. He's the next, oh, not half man, half amazing. He's the next MJ. Michael Keaton is battling Hanks to kind of fall off a cliff. Now Vince Carter playing for a title. Yeah, I like it. Michael Keaton? I like no? it. Yeah, I'm I like in. It. I think I'm in. I think that, that works, works for me. You, you're in on that, but you're out on the segment. I'm out, feel yes, already. I'm out of the segment. Mail it in like Fincher mailed in the first hour of Gone Girl. Uh, I'm, just, I'm, just roll the camera. I'm just, just going to start showing pictures of Ben Affleck sitting around saying, I didn't do it. <laughs> Joe Madden, former Tampa manager, now the Cubs manager. Oh, And man. Paul Thomas Anderson. Here's why I like this one. Joe Madden's never won the World Series. That's true. I feel like Paul Thomas Anderson has not won the World Series yet. I would say this should be Baron Davis. Ooh. Baron Davis, how come? Knowledge of Los Angeles at all different areas. The one oh. thing that defines Paul Thomas Anderson, incredible understanding of this town. Yes. No, understanding of all different strata of Los Angeles. Baron Davis, you know, you know, you know, grows up here, knows that part of the world, then goes to an elite high school, knows that part of the world, spends one year at UCLA, knows that. Constant figure around town, explosive talent. I would say it's Baron Davis. Plus Joe Madden dated Fiona Apple for like three years. <laughs> I'm going to get Wesley to buy into this segment if also, it kills he's, me. He's, he's married to someone from the same high school that Baron Davis attended. Shut up. Maya Rudolph. Oh, Maya Rudolph, of yeah. course, yeah. Four All kids. Right. All right. So I'm, Baron I'm, Davis, Maya Rudolph, close. Kate Hudson, and Cash Warren? That's correct. Yeah, murders, yeah. that's like almost an oral Grantland oral history. And Austin yeah. Crozier. Oh, wow. We, Next one. That is an oral history. This is my favorite have. one. We might just stop the segment here. Belichick and David Fincher. Wrong. You don't like, Connelly doesn't like this one. No, it's good. Belichick and Jim Cameron. Yeah. It's Jim Cameron, because Cameron wins on an unbelievable level. I know what you're saying, kind of heartless technician, that kind of thing. You want to hate him, but Cameron, you can't get rid of but him? But Cameron wins, and that guy wins. Cameron thinks he can do everyone's job on the set better than that person can, and he's probably right. It's Cameron. Remember those T-shirts that the softball team, the Cameron's, production company head, you don't scare me, I've worked for Jim Cameron, it's Jim Cameron. <laughs> does, Ca does Cameron still make movies? Cameron's he's working, working that, on one right working now. On one day now. I would have yeah. thought of Cameron, but I haven't thought of him but in wait, like which, four years. Well, what's, what's, your Fincher, what's your Fincher argument? Eh, just, they're going to go 12 and 4 every year. Yeah. Doesn't matter who's on the team. 
Gone Girl, it's like, all right, I'm going to go 12 and 4 with Gone Girl. Now, that's true. And the guy who can tell Reese Witherspoon you can't be in Gone Girl is Belichick. That's yeah. for sure. Uh, next one. Rex Ryan and Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> Just well, they both have a foot thing. Yeah. They both had really good foot things. And we're done. Next one. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Tom Brady and Leo. Now, these two oh, have God. dated oh the gosh. same person. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> For a while. Oh, my gosh. In fact, Tom Brady married that person. Oh, my gosh. And uh, they're both, you know, no, they, movie, I movie mean, stars, no, famous, I mean, handsome people. I, I'm always interested in anything that Giselle says. I think the Giselle interviews, um, you know, are always fascinating. Wow. You know? I did not think you were going to say that. You know? I don't disagree with you. You know, she's, you know, she's, she's a surprising because, she's surprising. you know, because he is pure of heart to her. I mean, he really is pure of heart to her. And that's, that's a really interesting thing for someone who comes out of the fashion industry, which wouldn't know pure of heart if you hit them up the side of the head with it. Yes. You know, that she would be attracted to a guy who, you know, who she says is different from that. It's a, it's a special thing. Tom Brady is an NFL quarterback who won three Super Bowls, who's six foot five and who's made a ton of money. And he's not the breadwinner in his marriage, and he's not the alpha dog in his marriage. Giselle's going to rule the world at some point. I think she's ruling now. Well, it's going to happen. It's Giselle it's, might invade America. I love their Instagram. <laughs> um, I'm not a fan of the Patriots, but I love their Instagram. Next one. I kind of mailed in this next one. Sidney Crosby and Jake Gyllenhaal. Mm. People are kind of waiting for Sidney Crosby to take over hockey this for is, a while. This is Jake's it. like, no, that's, Jake's going to be an A-lister. I'm happened. out on this segment, but I love that one because it's You've been true. out on this segment since we started it. Yeah, and they well, both have those fresh faces. No, I think there's no, a lot I, there. I think this that's one's really going to get you that. back in. I'm for that. Okay. This, the next one, Tim Duncan and Meryl Streep. <laughs> You're back in. <laughs> Go on, explain it. Explain it. Yeah, two of the most successful people ever. Tim Duncan is great because he does everything right. Meryl Streep does things that no one has really imagined being able to do. She's like the Steffi Graf. Meryl Streep joked, this wasn't true, but Meryl Streep joked that she named her first son Henry after Henry Aaron. So I'm going to go with Henry Aaron for Meryl Streep. Huh. Tim Duncan, uh, finals 1999, finals 2014. Tim Duncan, it's like year 18 for him. He's mm -hmm. almost 40. Mm -hmm. He's the leading contender for defensive player of the year right now. Yeah. And I mean, Streep's like... Just cranking out, what is she, up to like yeah. 59 Oscar nominations or something? <laughs> no, she said 19 nominations. Had, she's won, what, three, three times? Three. Remember when so Devil she's three and 19? I yeah. think that means the Yankees are preparing a $50 million offer for her. <laughs> <laughs> Remember Devil Wears Prada came out, I think, 2006? Uh, People were like, Meryl Streep, she's back, reinvented. And, and we're nine years later, she's still getting nominated. That's no, she, Tim Duncan. And that is somebody who benefited from not winning so much. Yeah. Like, if she'd won all those, people would go, I am so sick of her. But because she lost and everybody knew she was great, you know, that made a big difference. And in a way, Duncan and the Spurs losing that, that series to the this Heat is true. has yes. changed the way we felt about them by making them more sympathetic. You know, by showing, like, this that, that there was a flaw in the machine at some point. So... Duncan is a nice And I don't choice. feel like she's had plastic surgery, and I don't think he has either. I don't think he does PDs. That's another one. Wesley, you're so in on this segment. Next one. LeBron and Angelina. Two physical specimens. They've risen to the top of their game. And now they think they can do more than play slash act. LeBron thinks he's a GM, and she thinks he's, she's a director. How about this? Act and play. Next. Hope Solo and Shia LaBeouf. Next. <laughs> I'm very excited about this one because Gronk and Channing Tatum. That's 100%. Channing Tatum that's a, would play Gronk in the movie. That's yeah. a grand slam. Yeah, that's, that's it's like, like they're making like, a Gronk movie. Who they got? Channing Tatum. Signing, sign, seal it, deliver. That's absolutely right. I'm Next. almost ready to co sign. John Calipari and Wes Anderson. 
This time, two people. I'm, I'm intrigued. Uh, yeah, two so people have created corners that are basically unique to them and only to them. Do you think Wes Anderson yells the way Calipari yells? I don't think I don't think they have a lot in common with their personalities. Okay. Calipari has, has figured out how to turn Kentucky into an NBA factory, and Wes Wes Anderson has figured out how to make movies that appeal to people specifically that bother me and I don't like. And those are the two corners. Well, one is That's, an unbelievable recruiter of talent, and the other one used to coach at UMass. <laughs> the segment's losing steam. Last one. <laughs> Wesley, this was yours. This, I did contribute one. Oh. Wow. I would just say Tom Cruise and Serena Williams. I just feel like they're both unstoppable. They wrote, both really want to win. They both are kind of superhuman in their, in their own conception of themselves. Although, you know, I feel like Serena, the older she gets the more willing to sort of concede certain aspects of, of herself. They also both really fascinate me. I think I just will never, ever get to the bottom of either one of those people. We'll never, we'll never know. Well, Tom Cruise is a perfect choice for this because you do really feel like he's got the mindset of an athlete more than any actor I can think of of the last 35 years. Yes, yeah, they're utter mysteries in motion at all times. Too. They've been really good for a long time. Mm-hmm. We take to them the for granted. That- Dominant. Cruise Edge of Tomorrow was almost like if Serena won Wimbledon in 2022 or something. Right. We just take it for granted. Oh, of course, yes. It's another movie in which Tom they Cruise... Are, they're very self-aware, which I think is another thing they share in common. Yes. Well, that concludes the internet-only segment of the Grantland. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back after this. For more, go to grantland.com forward slash 2015 Oscars. Hey, what you got there, Golic? The new Subway Chipotle chicken melt with guacamole. Man, that looks good. Yeah, this new guac is really bringing the flavor. Got one for me, too, right? Well, yes and no. Uh, mostly no. Well, really, all no. Oy. Try the irresistible new Subway Chipotle chicken melt with guacamole, juicy grilled chicken strips with Monterey cheddar, Chipotle Southwest sauce, and new guacamole made from ripe Haas avocados with just a hint of jalapeno. Subway, eat fresh.